Hello and welcome back to the Pocket Rocket podcast. So I wouldn't normally do a little uh, intro to the podcasts, but as you may or may not know, I've been ill recently uh, for the last couple of weeks. So there was a little bit of a delay getting this episode out. So if there are some references to shows that have uh, happened in the last couple of weeks, that's because this one uh, I recorded with Dan around two weeks ago and I haven't had a chance to get it out yet. But thank you for sticking with me and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Rocket podcast and this as you know tuning into the series of Mastermind the Professionals and here I am joined by DW. Dan Welburn how are you? Superb thank you very much just got back from the park with a kid so yeah it was all right. And we've had a, re- a little bit of a result today two of your girls on the PCA stage. Yeah they both won I had two of them up there and they both just won in uh, turn figure and junior bikini. So we'll wait for the overalls and see what happens there. Another one to add to the list. You're leading the PCA leaderboard at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, for now. I'm still on the top, yeah. I'm trying to stay up. quite a few, like, on the top, though. It's quite a big gap, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, I've got seven. I think think the next one down might be two or three. I'm not sure. So we should be all right, I think. Yeah, you should be safe. The gap's there. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, as with Mastermind... Um, I'm just going to start with a little bit about you. So um, it's kind of like a bio on yourself, so your age, your location, and your duration as a coach. My age and my location. <laughs> <laughs> ASL. My location. <laughs> um, I'm 35. Um, my location is in Hull, in the north of England. Well, you some, some people call it north. I think it's in the middle, but whatever. It's Hull. It's in Yorkshire. Um, and how long have I been coaching? 2009, 10-ish, something like that. It wasn't really coaching then. It wasn't the same as it is now. It's all changed rapidly in the last decade. Mm. Um, but I was kind of the local go-to guy for prepping new bodybuilders and things like that back then. So I suppose you could say I've been doing it since 2009, 10. Yeah, I listened to your Breaking Boundaries podcast with um, Hannah and Loz talking about getting into it and how you initially weren't so keen on the online stuff and it was kind of all just local work yeah that was only um two years ago that that I'd started to do a little bit of online 2019 I was I was in the gym um just prepping girls from quite localish until then it started off like it didn't really mean to turn into what it turned into to be honest but I started off kind of prepping girls um the first one I prepped was 2012 just one of my one of my pals uh, from the gym wanted to do tone figure before like it really got too popular um and she'd done all right she'd come like third or fourth or something like that um and then the year after i prepped another local girl who just wanted to do a first show um and she went on to win the naba british when that was a huge show like mm. 35 of a minute class wow. um, big it was, it was because that's all there was there was no pca there was no ibfa there was no all the other thousands of federations, whatever it is, like it is now, it's just mm. everybody everybody piled into them shows um, and you had to do your area qualifier in your postcode. You couldn't go travelling about the country, you had to do your postcode. Mm. Um, so everybody piled into the qualifiers and if you got top two or three, because there's usually like 25 in the qualifiers as well, it wasn't like it is now where there's like five, six, seven, whatever, there was like 20, 25. So you, you did well to get past your local qualifier. Mm. Um and then you would go to the finals. And so obviously that achievement was really good. So, yeah, that kind of 
that kind of got me going because I didn't intend to. I just did it to help somebody out. And then mm. um, a couple more people asked. Um, they won their shows. And then I think I totally died a bit of a knack for it. Um, and then some more people asked. And it just kind of built every year with a couple more clients mm. until it's turned into what it is now. So I never meant to be like a, a coach or, or whatever it was. I was just trying to kind of help a few people in the gym and that at first. Mm. And kind of then thinking about all the way back then, with NABA and those larger classes and you say like it was quite hard for you to get past your even qualifier to yeah. now obviously there are shows at the moment because we're in the kind of the peak of the season I suppose you could say um mm. as shows every weekend some weekends there are three or four shows in a weekend with all the different feds I'm sure I counted you know at the beginning of the year sorry to cut into that no, it's all right. um at the beginning of the year and, and I'm sure I had a look and there was something like 101 shows across the year and I'm sure some more have sprouted up since then. Yeah, there's been a few more shows added with obviously complications coming from COVID, people being pushed yeah. back, and then Fed's adding other shows here and there. But that's insane, isn't it? Bonkers, man. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. People still struggle to fit into a show and find one that's right for them <laughs> and it, do it in time and everything else. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. You were saying um, about the shows back then. Yeah. So obviously going from then where your placings would have possibly been fewer and further between just because of there being less opportunity for one of your athletes to place and obviously yeah. you having a smaller team as well all the way till now what I don't know if you know off the top of your head but what's the record of your placings uh over your your duration as a coach the record what yeah. how many people have played yeah like overalls and pros oh, and I don't count that um I've, I know I've got 18 British titles um, amongst the federations. Obviously, we missed last year. Um, wins, I think, with today's couple, we're on about, I don't know, about 87, I think, somewhere like yeah. that. Somewhere right like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back then it was different because I had, like, one client, two clients, and then mm. I went into the next year and I had, like, four clients. And then went into – this is like, 2014, and then 15 – 2015, I think I had, like, five or six then 2016, it got a bit bigger and there was maybe like seven or eight of them. And it, it kind of built up like that with just girls in the gym. So mm. where it kind of peaked in 2019 when I had um, my PT calendar was, or diary, should I say, was full at like 30 to 35. And 80% of them was competitors that was traveling over from wherever to see me. Mm. Um, and then, so yeah, there, there weren't that many people doing it before then. If I had a team of 10 in a year, that was like, that was huge. Do you know mm. what I mean? Not like it is now. So I was about I to say, do you cap your athletes now? Yeah, yeah, bloody hell, yeah. I mean, I've got a fairly big team competing through the back end of this season. Um, I think I've got like 33 or something like that competing. Um, I know I've got like 20, there's going to be about 22, 23 at the PCA British this year. Only. So that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have that many clients a few years ago. <laughs> and then on that note of like... Um, that client base is it fair to say that you your specialist subject if we're thinking about mastermind would be figure girls um yeah so I'm definitely more known for the figure because I was a lot more dominant with that through the beginning I never really got any bikini clients they seem to like swerve me or whatever just because I was doing mainly figure then I've had a good handful over the last um probably just year or so to be honest but they're all winning now as well in the winning overalls and stuff mm -hmm. about a few bikini overalls um bikini girl just won there today obviously 
Um, so yeah, I've, I have won British titles with bikini girls and stuff. It just never used to get many of them, but mm. yeah, figures definitely what I was known for. I wonder. I was thinking about this the other day, kind of ideas bobbing around my head for this podcast and talking to you. And um, I'm quite a, I keep quite a close eye on the types of girls that are winning shows in different federations, specifically for bikini, because that's mm. obviously what I am in. Um, and there seems to be a big fluctuation in sometimes you get some more muscular girls winning and sometimes it's maybe a softer girl with less muscle in the bikini specifically. Yeah, but yeah. do you think that you, because you do have those toned and athletic figure women and, and so on and so forth, that maybe you draw girls that want to be a more muscular bikini to you or do you? Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I've never really given it a second thought, to be honest. I just kind of take what's in front of me and work with work with what's there. But, mm. um, yeah, I mean, the bikini's definitely become more muscular over the last couple of years anyway, especially in the PCA. And some, sometimes in the Two Bros stuff as well, you get a little bit more of a mixed bag there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's become more muscular. But I think it kind of needed to. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was a bit... I, don't know I was just about to say I, I'm very much a fan of the more muscular bikini yeah it looks better and I think PCA do tend to favour the more muscular bikini look and potentially a little bit drier yeah, um, definitely, yeah. but well, sometimes it's like going too far well we stop it when it goes too far and then it gets pulled back but they've got a trained bikini category anyway so if they get too big and too muscular they just get shifted into that mm. that's what it was put there for we, we invented that category in 2015 when we set up because we appreciated that um some bikini girls don't want to go over to figure ever they just want to get bigger doing what they're doing yeah so and taking the cap off and just giving them another category to go into um it's worked wonders because you get some amazing physiques in the trained bikini it's nice good class mm. Yeah. In size and condition wise, it's more comparable to athletic figure. Um, and some girls can do both, you know, they don't, they don't have to stick in one if they can. Basically, what, what you're looking at with them classes is if you go into the pose and you look right, then you're fine. If you look mm. like a did, did, like daft in the pose, then you choose the other class, you know, and you just pick where the posing suits you. Yeah? Mm. So I've got some girls that can do both. Um, I've got one specifically now that's getting ready for train bikini um, and we're going to have a look at athletic figure as well because you can literally switch what she's doing and look like one or the other I was about to say how do you kind of come to that conclusion and have you found that potentially you've got a girl coming to you saying I would like to be toned or athletic figure and you're saying to her Mm. you may (laughs) want to be that but you're not Mm. that (laughs) yeah yeah all the time yeah we we have a look at that Um, if you get somebody it's, it's literally as simple as that just put them in the poses and see what looks right on them. Mm. Um, if you don't look right in the bikini pose, try the figure poses or vice versa. Um, and then, yeah, it's literally just that simple. I mean, a lot of the time, obviously, you can tell just by kind of looking at them. But it's surprising what shapes people pop into when they start posing. Mm. Um, and it kind of comes out of nowhere at times. So you just kind of got to go off that. Mm. Um, and like I say, a lot of people are hybrids for both. Mm. I also see recently that you've started dipping your toe into wellness as well. Yeah, not so much, not so much. I, I took um, Ellis on because um, I'm friends with Dan McNabb mm-hmm. um, a year or two ago whenever I started with Ellis, I can't remember now. Um, and yeah, we've done all right and we've got a good kind of combination there. I've got one or two other wellness girls, but it's not something else I'm, I'm taking on or, or kind of venturing into. It's um, 
I'll kind of stay in my lane kind of thing. Um, but not that I don't know how to do it because obviously I had great success with Ellis, especially last year. Yeah, very well. Um, very well. Yeah, it's good. It's just um yeah, there's a there's a mixed crowd that comes with that wellness thing, and some of them kind of think they're wellness and they're kind of not. So I kind of swerve that a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think there's a which possibly needs to be talked about more in the industry. I see a lot of people doing their Q and A's and some going, "Are you going into wellness?" Well, no. Like, let's not underestimate what wellness really is. Um, yeah, I think it's I think not a lot girl of people with big legs. Like, it's yeah, very yeah, muscular. Think, they're very, very muscular, yeah. And then you get, I think what you get is you kind of get, I don't mean to be rude by saying it, but like a fat girl um, with kind of fat legs and a fat bum and they think that's where they belong. Mm-hmm. Um, but then obviously when you diet that away, like the, all them Brazilians and stuff, how they do it when they get ready for wellness, and this is what we do with Ellis, um, they diet them down, like down, 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 shredded, um, and then they blow them up and mm. just carve them and carve them and carve them and carve them. So everything spills over. So the surface is full smooth and everything like that. Um, and then that's what they go on stage. Like, that's why they look lean. We can see everything, but then it's kind of smooth at the same time, which is what the judges are after. Mm. Um, and I found out early on that's how a lot of the Brazilians do it. So that's the approach we took with Ellis. I mean, some girls you can get away with it different, depending on how the fat sits. If it looks about right as they're kind of coming in um, and the fat kind of sits nice, but some girls you've got to go the other way. And I think doing it that way, it looks a lot more impressive because... There's no, like, quotation, wobbly bits, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw Ellis at the, the show last year, and she was diced, no yeah. doubt about it. Um, and it was quite a disparity between her and some of the other girls that I saw competing that year because there was no way that you could argue she wasn't wellness, whereas some no. people, I think, they sit on the line, and you're like, well, are you or are you... You're just not conditioned enough, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. what wellness is meant to be. And then obviously yeah. the smaller upper app. So yeah, she's pretty chummed on for that. We're doing the Arnolds in a few weeks. We yeah. dropped in at that show uh, a couple of weeks back to get strange with the IFBB. We've got to do that, like you've got to do a show, even doesn't matter how you do, and then you can yeah. So I had to kind of put her in like the thing is we're getting someone so conditioned, like you can't just leave them like that for mm. say like six weeks. So we'd have had to be like that two weeks out from that show, mm. and then she'd have had to be that low on body fat until the Arnold, which would be six weeks later, she'd have vanished, you know, she'd have had no glutes or legs left. So mm. it was a difficult one to put her on stage, not quite as we should be, but kind of good enough to get on stage and then blah, blah, blah. And then mm. we've got four weeks to go until the Arnold, but she'll, she'll look, um, well, she looked great there, to be fair. She actually looked better than I thought she was going to when we was leading into it with the plan, um, even at kind of 80%. So you'll see what she looks like in a few weeks. She's going to look sick. She's looking better already. Yeah, she looked great at the weekend. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I did because obviously I say I saw her in person um last year and I just thought to myself, but she said it herself, she did a post, I think, um, and just said like she brought in a little bit uh not quite there yet. But then again, you yeah, can't yeah. pick someone at that point and then expect them, like you say, to stay. But no, yeah. I think a lot of the bodybuilders did that, didn't they? That last weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I just thought I'd touch on kind of what your specialist subject I suppose is as a coach because I think uh, we see a lot of um toned figure and athletic figure girls working with you and and doing very very well doing so and um, I think it's important for everyone to know that that's not just 
what you do as well. Not just a one-trick pony. Eh? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Two-trick pony. <laughs> I mean, the tricks are fantastic, though. I mean, it's quite, yeah, a, quite a record with PCA. <laughs> um, so just want to run through some, like, questions with you about your coaching career um, and some experiences you've had and advice and things like that. So um, what would you say is the biggest lesson learned since you started coaching? Um, I suppose, um, well, one thing you learn very quickly is not one, tr one, um, one trick doesn't fit all or whatever the saying is one, one thing you don't fit everybody. Um, everybody has to be treated as an individual and, and kind of coached a little bit individually in a way. Um, so I suppose there's that and you just, you've got to, one thing that I, I try and do with all of my athletes is everybody doesn't follow the same thing. So if we'll get, I might have three different athletes getting ready for the same class, same criteria that we have to fit within. Um, but I bring all of them in differently. And sometimes people ask like, why have you brought your hair in? Blah, 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 blah. Because you've got to go what suits the athlete. Mm. So I suppose something that um, I've definitely learned is just as long as you're within the criteria, um, bring them in how they look best not how you think the winner how you do you get what I mean don't focus on trying to beat somebody else because somebody might win one week being more conditioned some one week more softer and all the rest of it um, so everybody's definitely got to be kind of coached individually to suit their look I suppose that's one thing there's a million lessons I've learned as a coach I can't really um, mm. dial it down into one but yeah coaching everybody as individuals physically and mentally is, is definitely a skill do you find that a lot of your athletes come to you and say, well, well, look at this person. They did this and they look like that. So does that mean that we should be bringing that look next week or in two weeks' yeah. time? Yeah, so that's something I used to get a lot. And it's something that um, you used to see it on social media a lot. Like, I don't understand this. This week, this person's won and she's soft. And then second place was lean. And third place was lean. And fourth place was soft. I just don't understand what the judges are looking for. And I always used to read that and just kind of laugh because I think this is why I'm winning the shows with the girls because I get it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Which is harsh. But like I would kind of think um, as long as you're within the criteria, it's just judging is just who looks best. It doesn't necessarily have to be broken down so much. We all know when we're sat looking at the stage, who looks best, who looks second best, who looks third best. And obviously we're going to get a little bit of discrepancy in what everybody thinks. But generally, you don't even need to write down in words why they look the best. They just do. You can see it. So our job as coaches is to bring that out of that person um, and then see where they stand on the stage as opposed to just trying to fit them all in boxes, you know. Mm. Do you find that, I mean, you mentioned the kind of mental side of coaching. Do you find that in the latter stages of prep, you actually end up doing more kind of like psychiatry with them as opposed to <laughs> like nutritional plans because we no, all get a little bit mental at the end yeah i do i think i keep getting used this word on me called direct everyone tells me i'm direct which is just another word for dickhead i think <laughs> <laughs> or, or asshole. but i think like i seem to attract similar mindsets to myself and wet wipes really don't gel too well with me at all and they usually go quite quickly because um, apparently I'm like harsh and this and that and what have you. Um, but I think so by the time we get to that point already, the client's made it that far with me. So 
they're pretty mentally tough people. Mm. Um, and yeah, they sometimes I've generally have clients that don't moan, but and I need to like dig out of them what's what's wrong with them, and because I, I can tell when they're off, and I can tell when something's not right, and I sometimes have to probe a little bit um, and kind of do you know what I mean? Find out what's wrong, and then just kind of fix fix what's going on because you can tell when somebody's vibes off. Um, I don't really have clients that like have meltdowns and fucking all that kind of stuff because um, I think we, we don't well gel well initially when we first start coaching and they kind of move on you know mm. or sometimes if I do get somebody like that um, and I, I have done this a few times which sounds awful but like it's not it's for the best for them um, I'll just say I don't think I'm the right coach for you you're probably best off going and see somebody else who's more kind of accommodating to that mm. behavior you know mm. and that coach athlete relationship I think is probably the most important part because you end up being oh. such a massive part of their life yeah it's huge it's huge if you want somebody to do everything you want to be do you've got to have a good relationship I mean you've got to have a good click it's just what I was good you've just got to have that click the click's got to be there if it's not um then they've got to find somebody who the click is there with you know mm. and on that note if you could coach anyone anyone in the world alive or dead <laughs> Who would it be and why? Um, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I don't have an answer. I don't give a shit. They're probably dead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is there no one you think to yourself, oh, I could improve? Not you'd have to name names, but you sometimes think, oh, they're really good, but I reckon they could be better if they did X, Y, or Z. Or... Uh, I, yeah, but nobody that's like notable. I see it on Instagram all the time, and I see um, a few girls, right, and I see them doing shows and shows, and I think, if I could just get older, like, yeah. but I never want, I, 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 I know people do this, but it just makes me cringe when people do it, but mm. they'll like inbox people like, oh, well, if, if I could get you doing it and blah, blah, blah. I could never bring myself to do that because it's mm. cringing out. But sometimes I get frustrated when I see people and I think, oh, I'd love to get older them. Yeah, I get that quite a lot. Um, but if they come to me, they come to me. If they don't, they don't. I'm not going to start dropping into the DMs asking like. Has that yeah, coincidentally no, happened to you before where you've thought that and then someone's come and, You've been like, yes. oh, yeah, I've got a good few clients where I've been seeing them for ages and then, then they come to me and I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's happened a few times. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Not, not, I'm not going running after people. That's just cringy as well. No, I completely agree. I also kind of think it's, um, it doesn't bode well for the relationship going forward. You want someone to come to you because they want to work with you. You don't want to have to ask them to come to you. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah. Probably so. Yeah. So um, talking of clients and things like that, and, and you mentioned mental breakdowns and people being like, maybe we're not right for each other. It's not you, it's me. Um, yeah. What is, the, me, yeah. <laughs> what is the funniest excuse you've ever had from someone like deviating from their plan? Oh, I wish you'd have told me this one in advance. I've had some right ones. I can't think off the top of my head now. Oh, what is this? What? You put me on the spot. I'm real terrible at recalling things. We did talk um, about this before we started recording. No, we did, you yeah, were I like, I should have had a one. list. I've had some right fucking shit over the years off people. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, we both know you're lying right now. Yeah, just the stupid shit. Like, they'd be like, oh, I put too much salt on my food or something. And I'm like, what? And you gain eight pounds. <laughs> yeah. In two days, <laughs> and it turns out they've had a Chinese one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have had them so funny, but I can't think off the top of my head. I wish I'd have had that in advance. 
if they come back to you while we're uh, chatting, just interrupt yeah, me, like, yeah, by yeah. the way. Um, and if you weren't coaching, what do you think you'd be doing now instead? Um, well, probably be still PT in the gym. Um, I was a I was a joiner before that on a building site. That's what I did when I was younger. Um, I left school quite early. Well, I left school early. I left school when I was fourteen. Um, young, well, I was I was asked to leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean. had to leave. Yeah, and I went to work on a building site actually quite young, about 14, 15. Um, and so I never actually sat any exams or anything like that. Um, so I was kind of, I didn't have much choices going forward, which I regret. I mean, I was a little shit when I was a kid, but and I regret it. But not really, because it's turned out all right. Mm. Um, I don't advise anyone else to do that. Like, But yeah, so I didn't, I didn't sit any exams or nothing like that. So when I worked on building site from kind of being 14, and they paid me like 10 quid a day and stuff, you know what I mean? It was I was buzzing at that age. And then I went off and did um, joinery because all the blokes was telling me you can't do this forever, you want to trade and all that. So I went to college um, and did joinery. And then I was a joiner until I was uh, like 23, 24. Oh, okay. um, and then I was but I was bodybuilding at the same time. And I was thinking, this is fucking hard, this, like climbing up roofs and all the rest of it, like zero carb days and all that with what we used to do and two hours cardio on top. Um, and I was thinking, there must be an easier life than this. So... Um, I just started doing PT. I went and got my PT certificate. Well, I got laid off in the, um, what do you call it, the recession, actually, in oh, 2009, yeah. 10, as that all kind of went into play. Um, and so I got a little payout, and I went and paid for my PT course. Um, and, yeah, that was it. Just got into PT, and then, obviously, as I was in the gym as a bodybuilder, that's when I picked up a couple of people and helped them for shows, and that's how it all kind of escalated from there. So, yeah, I definitely won't go back to doing that because I didn't even like it when I was doing it, to be honest. It was all right. Um, but I was kind of more, it wasn't really a choice. It was just something I ended up doing because I left school early. Um, and then, yeah, PT And I did 11 years on the gym floor. Um, and then finally, as my, I only started online coaching because my missus had a baby. We had a baby. And I, w- I was happy enough in the gym doing what I was doing. I was, I was happy as I was. I was getting pestered all the time for online coaching because, Obviously, a lot of them girls was winning the British titles and stuff, even though there was only a few of us. Um, but I wasn't interested. Um, I didn't think the camera technology and that was good enough for me to see what I was doing and do a proper job, basically, because I, I was used to seeing people in the flesh nonstop, mm. getting videos through WhatsApp and pictures and that just didn't cut mm. the mustard for me. Um, but then we lost a wage, um, so I needed to kind of make it up. So that's what I did. I took 10 clients on just to make up my missus's wage. Um, and then they all, that was 2019, you know, when they all was, Natalie Crockford was winning the overalls and Rhea won the overall British and um, mm. that group, there was, there was a good bunch of them. They was all winning all the shows. Um, and then obviously that esca- escalated into 2020, but then COVID put an end to that. So I was doing bits and pieces of PT through 2020 until like November lockdown when it just became too much to do both. So at the beginning of the year, uh, January, I had to kind of, pack PT in um, and move fully online, which I don't miss it, to be honest. 11 years on the gym floor is a long time, like, mm. you know? Um, and, yeah, I just, so, yeah, I'm just online since then, basically. So if I weren't doing online coaching, I'd still be PT in. And I think it's fair to say that there's quite a big disparity between PTing and preparing someone for a bodybuilding show. So where did oh, you yeah. pick up the knowledge to be able to prep someone? 
um, just from my own preps. So when I started bodybuilding, I was lucky enough to get in touch with um, a bloke called Ken Roscoe, who was food tech nutrition, who was one of very few prep coaches back then in 2008, um, from a local guy who I was training with who'd been prepped by him. Um, so he put me through my first good handful of preps, three, four, five preps, whatever it was. So it was just basic knowledge that I was learned off him. And then I'd done it to a couple of lads in the gym. And then when I went to prep the girl for the first time, I was like, to, I said to somebody, "What? Well, how do you prep a gal? What are you meant mm. to do with that? You're just like, well, just half everything that we do. <laughs> so I was like, all right. <laughs> so instead of uh, 250 grams of chicken, they got 125 grams of chicken. Instead of 400 grams of tea, they got 200 grams of tea. And it was it was like that. So everything was just learned on people, to be honest. Mm. You know, nobody, nobody was teaching nobody nothing. Mm. Um, and then as with any job and anything that you do, you just get better and better every year knowledge gets better and then as obviously facebook and instagram took off and um, and websites and stuff with subscription sites and that you pick bits up from there and you just just slowly slowly adding little bits to your arsenal every year and mm. um, to make things a little bit better and i mean i always say i'm better than i was last year of coaching but i'm not as good as i will be next year that's that'll be the case forever mm. i was about to say do you think that you're still learning and improving and well, yeah, you'd be a fool to think to think that you want every every client that you coach, you take just something from. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I took a lot from last year's, and I've taken a lot from this year's, and that'll just keep moving forward forever. That's that's why you evolve in it. Mm. I think that's where people go wrong. I think when they, they just throw themselves straight in and they want to be doing this and that, but they just haven't had the bodies go through to learn it. And you, I don't, I don't feel like you, I mean, you can learn stuff from textbook and you can learn stuff from listening to seminars and all the rest of it, but um, nothing's going to replicate putting bodies on stage for year after year after year mm. and everything that you pick up from them and and more so like the psychology of it as well you know like you know when to push and you know when to pull back and mm-hmm. all these kind of things with where people are feeling and that mm. I think as well you touched on an important point there that even in your early days you knew that prepping women and men was different even before you'd done it you're yeah. Like, well, how? What am I going to do with a woman? Well, yeah, because I looked and just thought, well, she's only little. What's she going to eat? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's literally that simple. It was that simple. And then I still ran the same training from then as the way like we all trained then, and everyone trains differently now. But bro, split. Do you know what I mean? Shoulders one day, back another, legs another, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And then obviously, as I got further into it, I started thinking like, well. Women don't need to train really as much chest for this category and that, so we'll put a bit more of this and starting shifting volume around and just just general little things that you notice every year as you're coming on um, to make things better and better. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other big bonus as well, to be honest, is working with people on the gym floor so much because a lot of the things, when I look at people's bodies now, I can tell the way they train as soon as they send the check-in pictures of her. And I can, and I know the mistakes that they're making, mm. like in the gym. So, because I've seen it on repeat, and I've had to show people on repeat for like a decade. So that's helped when I go start. I'm like, go try this, go try this, do that, pull this when you're doing that, and blah 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 blah. And that that's really helpful as well. So just the accumulation of time and experience, isn't it? Mm. And do you find that? Um, I mean, you mentioned obviously you're looking at someone's physique and saying, I can see that they're probably doing this hip hinge wrong or whatever it may be or this press movement maybe they're not sitting right into it that's where they're not targeting certain parts do you and and I know from 
for like following a number of your clients that you do those regular check-ins people coming up to see you in the flesh in the gym in that famous spot where they all have a, an in-person check-in with you do you find that that is like an essential part of someone's prep that you have you still do have to see them in person to really know where they're at yeah oh yeah i want to that that's me requesting that that's that's not them asking to come up that's me requesting it mm-hmm. um, i want to see them in the flesh you know i want to see what it looks like in real life i want to see the physical size of somebody's being stood in front of me mm-hmm. to think about what that's going to look like when it stands on stage because we all know people look different on photographs and and thingy and all that and some people look like the right massive and then they come stand in front of you and you're, they're just a tiny little thing mm. or some people don't look like much and then they stand in front of you like fuck they're actually like a big person Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, and all that carries for other women's categories. Do you know? Mm. You got to you got to take that stuff into account of what it's like, and then you know what you can get away with and what you can't get away with. What extra muscle and extra areas? What that's going to carry to look like on stage? Mm. Then, obviously, to the first time you've seen them on stage, then you first time is you really know where you're going as soon as you've seen them that that one time on stage. You know, and then from there onwards. But yeah, I just think it's important to chat to them and see how they train and see what the because people can tell you they're going to fail. Yeah. Well, you'll put them under a bar and watch them go to fail. You'll know if they do that on a regular basis or not. Mm. Um, and you can tell that. And then when they're saying, well, I just can't seem to get my legs to catch up, no matter what they do, it must be my genetics. And then I see them stopping four reps short on a squat, and I'm like, that's why your legs are shit, love. Do you know mm. what I mean? So, and then I think it takes them that sometimes um, to twig it as well, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't charge nothing for that. They come up, um, and I'll spend the full day in there with a few of them uh, to two or three you might come up in a day and I'll spend the full day in the gym I don't charge him for that that's just I want to see him that's just part of your your service I guess yeah well yeah yeah I mean I could charge extra for it because it's taking up time but if they've got if they're good enough to drive five hours to see me I'm not going to charge him money for the gym you know yeah and do you think that because I'm not sure if you still are but I know that you were coaching for PC not coaching judging for PCA yeah yeah and do you think that that um has made you a better coach because obviously you do have most of your girls do go to PCA. I imagine that's a a little bit of what you do is what you attract. Um, yeah, it's, it's more of a, it's not like they come to me and then I send them to PCA. I think because you know it's like most of my clients compete with them, so then people who want to come PCA come see me and, and vice versa. Do you know what I mean? And then someone more two bros based, they might go see them a little bit more, a little bit of crossover. But yeah, um, the answer to your question is, yeah, it's hugely beneficial because I get to sit on that front table and watch athletes. I mean, I only judge the local shows that are within a couple of hours from me, so I don't go to them all. Mm. Um, but I've been doing them year after year since 2015. So um, it's amazing because I know what I want from my clients because I get to sit on the front table and see what, like, what I'm judging. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So... I mean, sometimes they might be at the shows where I'm at, but I'm, I obviously I'm not allowed to judge them shows. I wouldn't want to judge them shows, you know. I was about to say, obviously, that is something that goes around and is talked about a lot in the industry. Um, yeah, the strictest and... fuck at PCA. Um, mm. I wouldn't want to judge them anyway. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want... Well, I know where all the bad bits are, so I'd, <laughs> I'd be scoring them down. You'd give them like a, a bias in the wrong way because you'd be overcompensating, thinking, well, am I just thinking that because it's my client, blah, blah, blah. So if I'm if I'm at a show and I'm judging that day and I've got a client there, um, what the PCA have you do is at the beginning of the show, you all put in if you've got any clients. And I think, to be fair, there's only really me that does contest prep on the panel, I think. Um, but you would say at the beginning, 
Um, I've got a client in, I don't know, a ton figure, bikini short, blah, 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 blah. So then when that comes up, they know to put another judge in and I go off and sit up in the crowd. Mm. Yeah, I think that's quite a controversial topic. And I, I definitely wanted to cover that with you. Um, someone said to me the other week about one of your clients. Oh, well, of course, they're going to do well because Dan's, Dan's a judge. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure Dan walks away from the table, actually. Um, yeah, goes I go quite far back. It's just, you. Hear, I do hear that and I hear that sometimes myself. Not a lot, but um, you're going to get that, are you? Because they've got to justify for a reason why everybody's doing so well, I think. Mm. But I just, if I ever hear that, I'm just like, well, show me a decision that was contestable then and I'll, I'll debate with you. But apart from that, mm. shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, because none, none have been debatable from what I've seen. Yeah, I think possibly people have had bad experiences, whether that's PCA or else, elsewhere. And then they kind of do that whole, yeah, but bias and politics and... and I yeah, think- they do it with our about other coaches at Two Bros and this and that, and so-and-so's linked in with them and they've sponsored the show and that. And you hear it, you just hear it about everything. It's just, it's bollocks, man. Mm. Um, you, if it, if it was, that was the case, you'd see like glaringly wrong decisions. Do you know what I mean? You'd, you'd see like somebody who should have come third winning and you'd be thinking, hang on a minute, but you don't see that, do you? So um, it's just one of them things. Like I say, I think people like to justify stuff. And does the future continue to hold judging for you or do you think um, you'll step away from that? I don't know. It doesn't take, take too much of my time up because I'm not, I don't go to that many of them, you know, maybe like a few a year. At the most, like the ones that are in, I mean, Hull's out on its own anyway. So if they're in Manchester or Birmingham, I might go, but I don't go any further than that. Do you like to, do you go to like going to your clients' shows or is it not something that you're too fussed I, about? Yeah, I do. I mean, this year's obviously been struck by COVID, um, but it's something I used to do. I used to be at every single show every single year. Um, but to be honest, since having a kid, um, it's just, they they your weekends and your time you yeah. know so I don't go as much and you're not you're not needed I don't think like as much as you used to be we use um obviously a a video app thing so the videos come through not through WhatsApp through like so they're crystal clear like a file so that's perfect so I can see everything that they need I'm on my WhatsApp constantly with them or I'll ring them and what have you um so yeah I suppose the only difference is I'm not rubbing the tanning mm. <laughs> okay well um. That's kind of covers most of the questions I had for you. Um, looking at kind of going forwards in your career and anything else like that, is the stage something that you would personally like to come back to or are your, your days in sparkly pants done? Um, I think I've got one more and then I'm done. I've said that. I was meant to do this year. I was meant to do, I was doing the universe in, November well that's been cancelled because of the international travel um, and then I've continued dieting anyway but there's another show being put in replacement but I've just got to focus on my clients you know I think when I've got to pick a show for myself it's got to be like well away from when everybody else is competing mm. and like with the end of the year being so busy um, I can't afford for my mentality to be not 100% you know we all know when we're dieting we have a bit of foggy days and what have you mm. Um so I don't. I need to be there for them. I need to make sure I'm doing them justice and giving them giving them what they deserve. Mm. So yeah, I reckon I've got one more, but it'll have to be timed really well, um, and then that'll be me done. 
I've been too heavy for too long. I need to get small for a bit. Think yeah. about your health and everything else like that. Walking around as a big guy can't be too comfortable either. No, no. I've been over 20 stone for the last 10, 10 years or so. It's, it's no place to be, you know. Mm. And kind of with that in mind then, and your bodybuilding career going forwards and maybe one last hurrah, um, yeah. do you think you'll con- continue coaching forevermore or have you got like a five or ten year plan that you think, no, this is what I want to be doing? Um, so in my head, I can't imagine, I'm 35 now, I can't imagine being over 45 and still being particularly relevant. Um, I think that would be very difficult, especially with the new trends coming along every seven minutes um, and everybody falling for it every eight minutes, you know. Um, so unless you're trying to keep up with all that, as you get older, you just kind of become, you, you see it now and I see people trying to hang on and they just fade away. So I've kind of said um, I'll put 45, maybe a little bit less um, as an age to stop. Plus, how old do you get before like, I don't know, young girl sending pictures to an old man in the bikini. Does it, when does that become freaky, you know? <laughs> when does that become odd? <laughs> you I tell me. It's just weird generally, isn't it? If you say it to, um, I was having this conversation just this weekend, and I was like, if you say it out loud, yeah, I get into my underwear. Put heels on. I put heels on, and I take a video or pictures and send it to... A bloke and there's nothing in it no one thinks yeah, anything of it and you you'll quite happily send pictures round of yourself half naked to hit every tom dick and harry in the industry but if it was someone outside of it you're like i'm not sending you a picture in my underwear are you yeah you, you become switched off to it i switched off from it years ago it just mm. they're not bodies they're just body like muscular parts and it's yeah. just yeah it's bizarre really so i don't know when that becomes odd or not but i just can't see me being anything like relevant past that age so I think um, trying to get into something else, which is property, which is what I'm getting into now, um, I should be all right within about 10 years to kind of pull away from coaching mm. and pack it in and then live a less stressful life, probably. Mm. Chasing tenants as opposed to chasing people trying to be on front. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I'll miss it probably when I go, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I might I might still be relevant at that age. I don't know. You don't know, do you? And the thing is, is it like... It's one of those skills that is not just going to go. You could pick it up. You could. Oh, yeah, I'll never leave. Yeah. And you you could choose to do a small group of clients or say I'm not taking any more on and just close your books. Yeah, could do that. See what happens. I don't know. I'll just play every year year to year. I might be not relevant by next year. I might be on my ass by then. You don't know, do you? (laughs) (laughs) Somehow I don't think so. Yeah, hopefully not. Um. So there are two questions I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Um, and the first one is looking back over the entire, your entire life to date, is there anything you think I would probably go back and do that differently if I could? Um, yeah, only personal stuff. I would go back and learn to train properly at the beginning. I've got somebody to teach me how to train as opposed to just throwing stuff around in the gym. I've got a lot of injuries um, and I'm still in pain just about daily now when I train because of all the stuff I've done. Mm. Um, throwing stuff around um, when I was younger. Um, obviously, I had both my biceps reattached and what have you and problems like that. So, if I, yeah, if anything, I would just go back and I would learn to train properly from day one and not just 
caused myself huge amounts of pain. Mm. <laughs> which yeah. is what I've done. That's probably the main thing. Nothing else I would change because every wrong thing that ever happened or every decision you've made led you to where you're at anyway, innit? Mm, absolutely. The, the only different one was I'd be in less pain for that. So, um, yeah, even going back to as far as the stuff as school and stuff like that, what I was on about, which, like I said, I'd never advise anyone to do that. If I'd have not done that, I'd have maybe gone on to college and then university and then ended up in some job that I didn't like, being a fucking slave to somebody and going and doing a nine to five and all the rest of it. So that's led me to where I'm at now because I, I would have never ended up on that path. Do you know what I mean? I'd have been mm. doing something else if I had a brain. <laughs> I think arguably you must have a brain if you're doing as well as you are. I mean, coaching yeah. is a science, isn't it? Yeah, just not a classroom brain. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad thing. I didn't have a classroom brain either. I don't know how the whole coaching, like the the science that goes into it, it's not, people think it is just a case of, we'll just eat enough protein and then we'll mess around with your carbs and your fats and that'll be fine. And it's no. not, I think people underestimate it a lot. So you should give yourself yeah. more credit, Dan. I'm just joking. I'm special. I'm special. My mum <laughs> my, my told me I'm special. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and last question. You are Dan Welburn, bodybuilder, coach, and at the top of the PCA leaderboard for placings. But how would you like to be remembered? What, when I'm dead? Yes. Um... On a massive that sounds morbid now that you say it like that. Yeah. On a First massive person statue. to say like, what, you mean <laughs> when I'm dead? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that was kind of the vibe, Dan. Um, yeah, just remember there's somebody that give everything into what he did and just give everybody um, everything what he's got when he's trying to help them and what have you, which is what I do try and do. Mm. Um, I'm just, yeah, I, I put everything into my work. Sometimes too much and it, burn, it burns me, you know. Um, but yeah, just somebody who gave everything what he was got and was good at what he did. I always say I like watching. This sounds a bit random, but like I said to my missus that when I'm watching TV, I love watching people that are good at what they do. So I would like people to think that about me as well. He he was good at what he did, you know, like really good at what he did. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very very much for joining me. Um, and if anyone is listening and for some reason doesn't know where to find you where can they find you just instagram that's the only place i live i'm there I don't and have the a handle website. is uh dan well there in the first and last one <laughs> until i'm dead <laughs> until yeah then you uh and then, then we'll remember you as dan Welburn, <laughs> good at what he did might change that's your instagram the, tag that's what i want on my instagram after i'm dead and on my grave tomb put it on your bio good at what he does here lies DW, good at what he did, now dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe you're the first person to be like, I didn't even think about it like that. You're like, what? Are you asking me about when I die? And I'm like, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> oh, God, I don't actually wish that on you at all. I'm just genuinely like, I quite like that um, question uh, that Conor Renchen um his answer is stuck with me. He was on the first series in Man Behind the Muscle. And he's oh, that, sorry. Connor Renchen. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, he said, I would like to be the man that's remembered for someone crossing the road to speak to, as opposed to crossing the road to get away from. 
yeah and I Absolutely. quite liked that and that one stuck with me um I, I think that's quite that. a nice sentiment yeah sorry Connor it's man now I'm yeah, good at what I in. did but I also people wanted to cross the road to have a chat I, I was so good at tombstone so good at what he did people crossed the road to speak to him that's <laughs> there we go we'll go with that one <laughs> and then yeah just, then yeah sorry Connor underneath it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me. I really, really enjoy chatting with you. Um, and I wish you all the best for the rest of this year um, with all thank of your you. clients competing. And then hopefully we'll see you back on the stage soon. Yes, thank you very much. Okay, thank you.